Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. Well, I want to get started by um, welcoming you and thanking you for being here in this class with us. Um, Denise and I are going to be co-teaching for the next six weeks, and um, we are part of the ladies' ministry here at Faith Bible Church. We plan and organize things for women, um, and so we're excited about this class. But I will say thank you so much for being the guinea pigs. I tell my oldest son all the time that um, <clears throat> he's the one that we practice on because we don't really know what we're doing as parents. And this class is a little bit of a different forum than the way that we typically do ministry. So we've worked together on it, we've thought and planned, but things may change. So it's gonna be so wonderful the next six weeks, so thank you for serving your sisters this way. So I'm gonna pray and uh, we will get started. Oh God, we are so thankful this morning. We're thankful that we can meet in a place that we have freedom to worship you, to know you, God. Thank you that you have given us your word, God, that you are a knowable God and that um, you reveal yourself on the pages of your word. And I just pray that over the next six weeks, as we think about your word, as we think about our relationship to the word, as we think about growing in godliness, God, that we would um, be good students, God, that we would be teachable, God, that you would use this foundationally in our lives for growing and changing, that we would be more like you, Jesus, and that we would, um, God, bring you all sorts of glory. We're so thankful for um, Faith Bible Church. We're thankful for our leaders. We pray today that as Bryce teaches your word, God, that we would be hearers, that we would be learners, that we would be doers of the word, and that you would bless Bryce in the doing, um, in the preaching of your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I want to start just by asking you to think about for a moment, what is your relationship right now with um, God's word? What is your relationship to the Bible? When I say the word Bible or scripture, what are the words or what, what comes to mind? What are the things that you think? Does God's word intimidate you? Does God's word excite you? Does God's word bore you? Does it overwhelm you? Well, each one of us probably has a very different relationship or varying thoughts about the word of God. And just so you know a little bit about me, I grew up attending really good Bible teaching churches, churches that are not unlike Faith Bible Church. And I knew basically from the very start that God's word was important. In my teen years, I developed a habit and a pattern of regular daily time, reading the Bible and memorizing it. However, much like the author of the book that we're going to be using during this six-week class, I did not have a full understanding of God's Word. And in many ways, my whole approach to the Bible was wrong. I really, really believed, really believed that God's Word was a book that was a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, that it had everything that I needed for life and godliness, but my starting point was me and how the Bible would help me. 
I read this book back in 2014 when it first came out and it totally transformed how I think about my approach to God's word and, and my quiet time. Um, and so I resonate with this book because I think it really does capture much of how we as believers think in the church. And it's not bad. It's, we can glean good and right things. We can come to good conclusions. But the purpose of the Bible is not about you, and it is not about me. It is not just to help you or to help me. The Bible is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. It does contain everything that we need for life and godliness, but the Bible is a book about God. And on every page, the Bible declares who God is and what he is like. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to invite you to go on a journey with us. Our quarterly focus here at Faith Bible Church um, for the next three months is personal holiness. And personal holiness begins with a knowledge of our holy God. And personal holiness, it is accomplished through the study and the application of the Word of God by the Spirit of God. And so we're going to be using this book, um, Jen Wilkins' book. If you don't have a copy, it's um, Women of the Word. Um, you do not have to buy it, okay? But it might be helpful to you. We're just going to pivot here. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, thank you so much. I'm sorry to be late. Okay. I'm going to go get it. Absolutely. Here you go, ma'am. Okay. So you may find it helpful to have a copy um, that you can read along with us because I'm going to be really honest. The pace of this class may be fast. We initially intended for it to be the full quarter, but as you can see, um, we have childcare needs and to have a class that everybody can attend is just not feasible. So we changed it. In, in order that more people would be able to attend class. So it may, it may feel fast. It's not intended to be fast, but, but our goal is that a lot of things that you learn, that we teach, would just be foundational, that you would be able to go back to. So I think the book might be helpful to fill in some of those, um, those spaces along the way, because if it feels fast, it's because it, it is just a little bit fast. So um, in the handout, what you'll see is that each week we have opportunities, um, little projects for growth. Um, they are, it's homework. Um, you do not have to do it. But it is just practical ways for you to practice these concepts and begin to apply some of these methods as you grow in the personal study of God's word. So. I want to just be clear, since we are using this book, um, much of what we say, the bulk of the lessons, they are going to come directly from the book. So if you read the chapter, if you go home today and you read the chapters that are assigned there and you think, well, Mary Beth was just standing up there quoting Jen Wilkin. It is. It is. <laughs> Please don't come back to me and rebuke me for plagiarism because I am going to be um, using her words, her ideas, and her methods. They come directly from the book. Nothing 
is original to me, okay? Um, please just assume that everything I say is more Jen than Mary Beth. Um, but I'm not gonna tell you every time I'm quoting her, okay? So just make that assumption. So why this book? Why this particular study? In a church like Faith Bible Church, we know that you have lots of opportunities to read and to study God's word and to hear God's word taught. And many of you are probably involved in small groups and ladies' Bible studies. Maybe you come to the Sunday school hour each week. Um, here at Faith Bible Church, we are saturated with the word of God. And that is something that is not common to every church in our city. And every summer, our ladies' ministry team, we, um, we meet with the, our leaders, our Bible study leadership, and we um, prepare for the upcoming Bible studies. And sometimes when we do that, we read a book together. Sometimes we do training in other ways. But this particular class came out as a result of some discussions that we had during that time last summer. What we learned um, in some of our training is that by and large, the consensus among our leaders was that the majority of us relied on prepared studies for our time with the Lord. Some said that even while they read their Bibles in times where organized Bible studies weren't taking place, for the most part, they had never really studied God's word without using materials that someone else had structured. And every time one of our ladies' Bible studies ends, I hear the rumblings among women that they're struggling to know what to study or how to study or how to find something to study um, or somebody to study with. And that just got my wheels turning. Denise and I really started talking a lot about that. If this is something that is true among our leadership, how much more would that be true amongst ladies in our, bi or in our body? I kind of put this in the category of things that are just common to man. It's, they're not unique to our leadership. Um, if people struggle to find materials, we started talking about how can we equip ladies? How can we equip women to feel empowered to pursue Bible reading and study on their own with just their Bible? When I say that, do you even think that's possible to just read the Bible and study the Bible on your own without an organized Bible study material? Well, that's one of the goals in our class, that you would feel more and more comfortable doing that. We want to equip you with methods to know the Bible better. We want to strengthen your hand to have ears that are trained to hear God's declaration of himself on the pages of his word. We want to help you look for God and then use that knowledge to take an accurate look at yourself. And so our desire is that your Bible study, your personal quiet times with the Lord would proclaim God's identity because a knowledge of God and a knowledge of self, they go hand in hand. The Bible is a book about God. It is a book about God and sound Bible study, sound Bible study, it transforms the heart by training the mind and it puts God at the center of the story. Sound Bible study, I'm gonna say that again. It transforms the heart by training the mind and puts God at the center of the story. It leaves the student with a better understanding of the Bible than she had when she started. 
And so our desire is to help you in your study time increase in your Bible literacy. You, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, are called to be a learner of him. Did you know that that is what the, the word disciple means? A learner. That's your first blank. You, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're called to be a learner of him. And learning requires effort. It requires good study methods. And good study methods, sound Bible study, they increase in Bible literacy. And so since we're going to be talking about Bible literacy a lot in this class, I just want to make sure that you understand that term. Bible literacy, it occurs when a person has access to a Bible in a language she understands and is steadily moving toward knowledge and understanding of the text. So Bible literacy occurs when a person has access to a Bible in a language she understands and is steadily moving toward knowledge and understanding of the text. If you look up the word literacy in a dictionary, it says that being literate means to be competent or have knowledge in a specified area. So Bible literacy just means that you have a knowledge and an understanding of what you're reading in God's word. The Bible is written. You should have a copy of the scriptures in your own language. Um, that's not, I mean, that, that's pretty common here. It's not the case in every country, but we do have access to Bibles written in our own language. And Bible literacy just means that you are growing or you are increasing in knowing the Bible and understanding it. But not all contact with your Bible increases Bible literacy, okay? So our hope is to help you enjoy and grow and be more comfortable in learning and applying the Bible. So how does Bible literacy happen? Well, increasing in Bible literacy happens first when we let the Bible speak of God. That's number one. We let the Bible speak about God. The Bible is a book about God. From the very first page and the very first words, your Bible was written in such a way that you would encounter God in all of his hugeness right from the start. Think about Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Right from the start, you're going to learn about God because the Bible is a book about God. Um, if you learn nothing else in this class, I hope you walk away and you, and you say, the Bible is a book about God. It clearly reveals who God is and what God is like. So when you read your Bible, are you reading your Bible asking the questions, who am I? Or what should I do? Or are you reading the Bible asking the question, who is God? What has God done? What is God doing? What will God do? See, our starting point has to be God because God is the only reference point that is reliable. The Bible tells of the unchanging character of God. And the Bible is written in such a way that we really can know who God is. We can know what God is like. Um, in John 5, 39 through 40, Jesus rebuked the religious leaders and he said, you search the scriptures because you think in them 
you will have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. Jesus rebuked those religious leaders because they searched the scriptures, but they were asking the wrong questions and they were looking for the wrong image to be revealed. If eternal life is found in the scriptures, it's found through the lens of first and foremost, who God is. So if you are reading your Bible and your eyes are focused on anyone other than God first, you're going to get the transformation process backwards because any study of the Bible that seeks to establish your own identity without first proclaiming God's identity, it's going to render only partial and limited help. But I, but I don't want you to get me wrong. The Bible does answer those questions about you, who you are and what you should do. But God wants you first to hear who he is. So you must read with ears that are trained on hearing God's declaration of himself and then use that understanding to inform you about who you should be in light of that. Seeing who God is shows me who I am in a true light because you know the word of God it says it acts as a mirror in our lives so for instance when I see the mercy of God in a passage like Ephesians 2 4 that tells me when I was dead in my sin carrying out wicked desires God who is rich in mercy because of his great love made me alive in Christ it should cause me to stop Think about the mercy of God and then reflect on my own relationship with mercy. When I am sinned against, am I quick to sin in response? Am I quick to retaliate? Do I shake my fist and cry out for justice because I've been sinned against? When my children are rebellious and disobedient, does it move me with compassion and the ability to see their little hearts and their, their desires waging war? Or do I personalize that and make their behavior about me? See, seeing the mercy of God in scripture, it should enlighten me to my own character and my own responses because I am made in the image of God. The character of God calls me to reflect his image and bear his image rightly. Increasing in Bible literacy also happens secondly when we let the mind transform the heart. Your heart should not be your primary guide. You should never, ever, ever follow your heart. That is bad counsel. And the world's definition of the heart, it is not biblical. It is very different. When the Bible speaks about the heart, the Bible says your heart includes your mind and your will and your desires and your emotions. Your heart is your inner man. And out of your heart, from your heart, comes your thinking, your speaking, your feelings, your actions, and your behavior. But many times what we want is we want Bible study or quiet times that are emotionally guided and driven by our feelings and, and our emotions, our desires. So, I, so if you think about how this plays out, what are the books of the Bible? And I'm going to ask you to interact with me a little bit. What are the books of the Bible 
that you know really well or you spend a lot of time in? What, what is your go-to? If you, if you don't know what to read in the Bible, where do you go? Ephesians. Ephesians. Romans. Romans. That's a hard one. Good for you. <laughs> okay, Romans 8, good. What else? Psalms. I'm always in the Psalms. Yep. Proverbs. Proverbs. Any others? Maybe even the books like Philippians or James or 1 John, books that are easy to understand or books where I really resonate. Um, um, maybe they're books of the Bible or parts of Scripture that make me feel close to God or loved by God. And, you know, I think if I asked for a show of hands, we would all say the same thing. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want close, deep, personal, intimate time with the Lord? Don't we want that? Have you ever said things like, I just don't feel close to God? Or God seems really distant right now? Or I'm just in a really dry place? We want to feel God's presence we want to know his love, but if you would look back on your walk with God, is your faith dependent on how close you feel to God at any given moment? By asking your heart to be at the front of the train and lead everything else and lead your mind, where you're going to end up is you're going to end up on a roller coaster of ups and downs that is, is based on your feelings. But biblically speaking, the mind is not separated from your heart or your emotions. The mind is part of the heart. It, they are united. Any feelings that you have come first from your thinking or your mind. And so in your handout, I have a couple of verses that I want to, um, I just want us to read out loud. Um, verses that are going to help us see just how scripture talks about the role of your mind. So would somebody read um, under repentance, 1 Kings 8, 48 to 49? Thank you. If they repent with all their minds and with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who carried them captive and pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause. Okay, so the Greek word for repentance actually means a change of mind. Even though we commonly talk about it as a turning from sin, um, repentance from the heart actually begins in the mind. You have to begin by changing the way that you think about your sin for true biblical repentance to take place. How about um, this really tiny little print? Sorry about that. For, I mean, I'm like, the next one, First Chronicles 22, 19. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Great. So this is seeking the Lord. We cannot seek after the Lord and follow him without engaging both our mind and our heart. That scripture says, set your mind and your heart. This is intentional. You have to adopt the correct posture to be able to seek the Lord. Set both your mind and your heart. How about Isaiah 26, 3? 
Absolutely. True peace is not just a feeling. It's not just found in our hearts, but it is first and foremost in thinking about who God is. How about 1 Corinthians 14, 14 to 15? Right. God calls us to engage our minds in right worship, not just our feelings are engaged in worship. So even when we go into church in the next hour, we should be thinking as we're singing, we should be thinking about the words that we're saying and not just caught up in the emotion of it. Um, as Bryce is talking, thinking about what he's saying as you, as you hear the scriptures taught. How about Luke 24, 44 to 45? Right. We cannot understand the scriptures without our minds. How about Romans 12, 2 through 3? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you want your life to be transformed? Do you want to be conformed more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ? Paul says it comes through your mind, through the renewal of your mind, not just by trying harder or loving God more. And, and this is one of my favorite um, sentences that is in Jen Wilkins' book. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. We know that that's true relationally, but you cannot love a God that you do not know. Um, the path to transformation and greater Christ-likeness, it begins with our minds. It starts in your thinking. Your feelings will be engaged, but I wanna encourage you when you think about your heart, to think about your heart being intricately connected to and in union with your mind and your thinking. Every time I, I do, um, I'm one of the biblical counselors here at Faith Bible, and every time I begin a new counseling case with a woman, I tell her more than anything else, I am interested in her mind. I am interested in her thinking. If I can understand her thinking, if she can learn to understand her thinking, She's going to have all of the tools along with God's word, all of the tools that she needs to begin the process of growing and changing until you understand what you're thinking and then how your thinking doesn't line up with scripture. You're not going to know how to apply the scripture that you read. True biblical transformation into greater Christ likeness. It comes from a mind that is renewed by the scripture and applied rightly to your life. So ladies, Pay attention to your thinking. Pay attention to your thinking when you think you are not thinking about anything. When you brush your teeth, take note of where your mind goes. When you're driving in your car and you're on autopilot, pay attention to what you're thinking.
Um, in the Gospels, Jesus told the people um, in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all of the law and the prophets. When you love God rightly with all of your heart and all of your mind, then you're able to apply that to loving other people. The third way we increase in Bible literacy is we practice good study methods. So when it comes to studying the Bible, there are all sorts of unhelpful methods around. In order to break any of those kinds of habits, you need to first examine the extent of their influence before you can take steps to change. And you need to honestly evaluate how you think about God's word and how you interact with God's word. We're gonna give you, over the next six weeks, ways to practice good study methods. We're gonna break those down into smaller parts. This morning, this is kind of just an overview, um, but we're gonna give you methods and tools um, to be able to do that. But for this morning, I want you to just think about what are the current methods that you use as you study God's word? Your current habits of, of um, spending or interacting with the scripture. And some habits may not be bad or wrong, but they may just be limiting, okay? They may only take you so far in your understanding because not all contact that we have with the Word of God builds Bible literacy. Remember, Bible literacy occurs when a person has access to the Bible in a language she understands and is steadily moving toward knowledge and understanding of the text. There are, however, some methods may not be helpful, um, or they may be limiting, but there are some that you probably, if you see any of these, they need to be put aside completely. So before I go much further, I do want to add this stipulation, okay? We are all in varying seasons, different seasons, and each one of us has different capacities. I'm a person that has a high capacity. There are other people that have lesser capacities. There are varying degrees, I'm sure, in this room. We all also have different responsibilities in our home and outside of our home. So even as we, Denise and I, have been talking about this class, one of the goals that we have is we want to help equip you in whatever season, whatever capacity you have, whatever your time is, we want to help you be growing in this direction. I'm gonna be really honest with you, this year, my youngest son went to middle school. So I have one in high school and I have two in middle school. And you would think, like I have, I have grown children. It is, they're all out of my home. Like they leave for school by seven o'clock in the morning. My home is quiet all day. And you would think like, I would have all the time in the world to study God's word. And I will tell you, this year has been the hardest year the hardest year for me to spend regular time reading my Bible. It has been challenging me for me the whole school year. And everything about my routine, when that little one went to school, my whole household is awake 
by 5.45 in the morning. It disrupted everything about my time with God. So, you know, there are seasons and, and there are really real realities. There are realities of working full time that it is challenging to spend time in God's word. There are realities of having little children that no matter how early you get up, they're right there with you. I mean, I remember days sitting with somebody next to me while I was doing my quiet time and thinking, stop moving, stop talking like I can't focus on what I'm focusing on. So there are realities, okay? So no matter where you are, I don't want you to be discouraged and think like, this is too much, this is not attainable. God's, God knows the seasons that we're in, and there are going to be ways that you can adapt and implement some of these things that we're talking about. The wonderful thing about the Christian life is like, it's a long thing. It's not like we have to, you know, hit these landmarks of growth, you know, um, and, and I don't know, jump through hoops or something. So you can practice good study methods. You can practice this even if you have a very limited capacity even if you're in a challenging season. So please don't just walk out of here and abandon everything like it's too much. That's not where I am. Okay, so we're going to go back to unhelpful methods, right? Okay, the first one is approaching the Bible as if it exists to make us feel better. So I think about this as like a take two John 316s and just call me in the morning. Maybe we pronounce our time in the word successful if we find comfort or we feel better after doing our devotions. You know, the problem with this kind of approach, we've kind of already hit on this, is that it makes the Bible a book about me. And it asks me when I come to the word of God, it asks my Bible to serve me and to serve my needs rather than learning about God and how I can serve the God that it proclaims. And in reality, the Bible doesn't always make us feel better. It does not always make us feel better. Sometimes the Word of God brings great comfort, right? When we're in the Psalms, um, the, the Bible does bring great comfort. Our God is the God of all comfort and the Father of mercies. But if you are reading your Bible correctly, it should also bring conviction and it should bring an awareness of sin in your life. And I don't know about you, but when I am reading my Bible and scripture acts like a mirror showing me who I am or how my life doesn't really align with Christ or the word, that does not make me feel good. That does not make me feel good. There is comfort that comes from recognizing Jesus Christ is my perfect substitute. He is my righteousness when I see my sin. But I can't just approach my time in the word with my feelings as my measuring stick, okay? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The second one is lacking a preference or any guidance about what I read. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me about whatever verse I happen to turn to. I think about this method as like rubbing the magic genie lamp, right? Have you done that before? Have you just opened your Bible and wherever it fell, that's what you read, that's what you focus on? 
And the, the problem with this kind of approach is that it just gives no thought. We're not really thinking. We're not thinking about the cultural or the historical or even the context of the text. It doesn't think about who the author was or who the, the scriptures were originally intended to. This kind of approach, it doesn't really do anything to help us gain understanding, okay? And it really lacks respect for the richness of the Bible. Imagine if you were to prepare a recipe by only focusing on the parts of the recipe that your eye fell to. Or think about um, picking up um, algebra by reading about it, but only reading certain paragraphs in the textbook. Or what about a novel? What if you just opened to the middle of the novel and read a paragraph? Would you even expect to understand what the story's about? Maybe, maybe you could glean some things from it. But if in any of those examples, we would think, okay, that kind of approach is, is ridiculous. And yet, we think nothing about reading God's word with this kind of method because we attach the mysticism of the Holy Spirit to it, as if he's just going to guide us to a random text on a random page, and that's what we need for the day. Scripture does say in Romans 15, 4, that for whatever was written in former days, it was written for our instruction that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Another approach is um, just using topics, okay? Taking approach that only focuses on topics, topics that I'm concerned with. And so maybe in this approach, I'm gonna let a Bible teacher do all of the legwork for me using um, various passages and putting them together in a collection on a particular subject. Now, there is a place for topical studies for sure. Don't hear me say that. Our ACE classes, if you think about how we structure things at Faith Bible Church, our Sunday school hour is pretty topical. They're talking about grumbling and complaining right now. And I'm sure Andrew's collected all of the scripture on, on those verses. So topical studies just can't be the only way we study God's word. Or it can't, it can't be um, the bulk of our interaction with scripture because topical studies aren't Bible studies. Okay, They're a supplement to the study of God's word. They serve a purpose of helping us integrate broad concepts in our understanding of scripture, but topical studies are not foundational, okay? If we only focus on topical studies, we're gonna miss out on the richness of learning a book of the Bible from start to finish. And a well-rounded approach to Bible study, it does address topics, but it addresses topics as they arise in scripture, rather than trying to take scripture and attach it to a topic. And this is one of the primary reasons why our church focuses on expositional preaching. Bryce preaches through the word of God verse by verse. And whatever uh, we come to, that's what we focus on that week, right? The scriptures lead us. And this is the fountainhead of true um, growth in our life. We want to be conformed to the image of God, not just the image of a teacher or topics that appeal to us. Um, this past year, our ladies' Bible study studied Ephesians. And so if you think about Ephesians 5, if you started in verse 22 with the command for wives to submit to their husbands, you will get 
an understanding of God's design for marriage and for the family. But how much richer your understanding will be is if you backed up and started in verse 1 of that same chapter. If you understood that our submission to our husbands is a way that we imitate God and walk in love. How much greater your understanding of Ephesians 5.22 would be if you start all the way back in Ephesians chapter 1. That you understand God's great love for you your union with Christ, all that God has done for us in Christ, your standing before him. By the time you get to chapter 5, verse 22, your heart is burning with a desire to walk in obedience as a direct reflection of love and grateful hearts. So often I hear women are so burdened by that call to submission and they buck against God's design because they haven't taken the time to really fully understand the beauty and the protection and the fullness of it. And you find that in the context of the whole book. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Another unhelpful approach is reading books about the Bible or listening to podcasts or sermons instead of reading the actual Bible. So many times, different authors, they build on the writing or the teaching of others. Books about the Bible, sermons, or podcasts are great, and they're wonderful resources that we have, but they should be a supplement to, to our understanding of God's Word. When you read a book, when you listen to a sermon or a podcast, they don't require as much work to understand. They're often written or taught by people that seem to know way more about the Bible than I ever will. I have actually heard women say that the Bible is too hard to understand, and so their time in the Word is spent by listening to podcasts and sermons. They don't ever read the Bible themselves except as the sermon is being taught to them. And the problem with this kind of approach is that God calls me to love him with all of my mind, not my pastor's mind, not my favorite author's mind, not the Joyful Journey podcaster's mind, not my discussion leader's mind or my lecturer's mind. Um, and very often we can slip into this kind of mode. We really can. Um, all human teachers, they're limited and they're fallen, and they have the potential to teach something that is contrary to the Word of God or interpret it wrongly. And we're going to get way more out of a sermon on a Sunday morning if we've spent time thinking about the passage and reading it before Bryce preaches it on Sunday. So one of the ways that we thought through... Um, just if you are someone that has a limited capacity or you're in a season that is very challenging um, to spend time in the Word of God, you'll probably notice at the bottom of the bulletin, each week there's a next week and there's a passage. Maybe the way that you interact with the scripture is just reading this passage that Bryce is going to preach on next Sunday every day. Every day. You could do that. As, as a way that you interact and spend time in God's word. Um, thinking about the scripture before he preaches it. The more you grow in your own understanding of God's word, 
the more helpful all sorts of supplemental teaching will be. But supplemental teaching, it can never be a replacement to personal Bible study. I once heard, I think it was Brad Bigney at a, a counseling conference teach that we should be sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary daily. We should open our Bibles and try to think deeply about what it says. If we rely on a sermon to teach us in our personal study or a book or a podcast, what we're actually doing is we're sitting at the feet of somebody else who is sat at the feet of Jesus. They have read the word. They have chewed on it. They have meditated on it. And like a little mama bird, he said, they're just spitting it in our mouths to nourish us. Right? What a, what a picture. Um, Jesus calls us to love him with all of our hearts and all of our minds. And so we need a balanced diet to be able to grow to maturity. We cannot really appreciate all of the sweetness of the New Testament without the savory Old Testament. We need all the parts of God's word and to be able to see the gospel story from Genesis to Revelation. And so we need to learn to study in a way that we're not just absorbing the insights of other people, but we're actually being equipped to interpret and apply scripture on our own. And so every study that you do, every study you undertake, it should do more than just teach you a book of the Bible. It should teach you how to study the Bible. And study, studying this way, really growing in Bible literacy, it's going to protect you from falling into error. It will help you when your worldview is challenged. It will be a foundation that you can stand on when trials enter your life so that you are not shaken. It will be your hope when hope is really hard to find. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to grow in developing good Bible literacy and sound study habits. We're going to learn to grow, to study with purpose, with perspective, with patience, with process, and having the whole thing covered in prayer. Those are her P's from the book. And each one of these vantage points will help us as we grow in Bible literacy, training us in the exercise of mind before heart and God before self. So this week, what we've put together for you um, in your handout, if you look on pages four and five, um, if you read, um, this material came from chapters one and two of the book. So if you have time this week, um, to read chapters one and two of the Women of the Word book. And there's just some questions, some reflection for you to think about. Um, you know, everybody has a different starting point. So it's just kind of a, a tool to evaluate. Where are you really at? How do you think about God's word? How do you spend time in God's word? Um, so those questions are just um, to be able to help you to do that. So one of the things that um, Jen Wilkin encourages in her um, in her methods is repetitive reading of scripture. We just randomly chose a book of the Bible. Jen Wilkin does the book of James. You can do any book of the Bible. Um, and so we chose 1 Peter. Um, and so what you'll see here is we just have the text of 1 Peter included in this study. You guys have the advantage of being in this class and you could study a book like 1 Peter um, because, you know, it's summer and maybe you're in between things. Don't feel pressure to do this. Um, it will be harder for the next group of ladies because ladies' Bible study will be starting up and maybe they'll be in Genesis. So, um, you know, as I spend time myself every summer, 
I choose a book of the Bible and I start going through it. And I sometimes I only get so far and then I just abandoned it when study starts and then the next summer I go back to it. So you're, we're not, our goal is like, not that you have to get through all of this and you have to master this. This is just to help you get comfortable with, if I were going to study God's word on my own, how would I do this? So what we want you to do is if you want to do this process along with us, if you wanna grow, we're gonna give you time. We hope, we have no idea if our lessons are gonna run right to the, um, the minute that we need to break. But there may be time even in class that we can do this, that you can ask questions, that we can help you as you do that. If you have questions about even, okay, here, here's my situation, here's how I'm struggling to find time in God's word, talk to me or Denise, um, because we may have ideas for you or, or things that um, might be helpful to you. I'm somebody, I have a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas, take them or leave them. Some, some of them are helpful, some of them are not. So, um, I mean, she's smiling because she knows. Um, but, you know, if you in your specific season are thinking like, this is where I'm getting stuck or this is challenging for me, I'd love to talk to you about that too. Or Denise would as well. Because Denise and I are in different seasons um, too. So, anyway, just read, just read God's word this week. If you have... A small capacity if you've got a lot on your plate maybe this week what you do is you just read Galatians 5 16 through 18 every day and you think about this I meaning just keep reading Galatians you don't have to do this okay 